RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, a duet actual play podcast using the Savage World system in our custom science fantasy setting. Thank you for listening, and welcome back to Caldonix. Previously on Neon Heat, Athena and Sadal are rescued from the tunnels by Isaac, Halarishi, Gadu, and Subio. They arrive at Prism to find that the small group of Prismae are more of a small community now thanks to Isaac's efforts coming together to make things more of a lived-in space. Isaac hasn't had great success with his own spectrum, however, the wear and tear on him is obvious, and Athena offers avenues of health to be discussed later. There is distrust about Zadal as both a newcomer and an arrow at Prism. Tensions remain under the surface for now. Halarishi's kind enough to assist Athena by sending a message to Pavi through his network. While Athena talks to Gadu about their prospective escape topside and integrating Prism into Pantheon, Isaac is understandably concerned to find out Prismae are being hunted in Caldonix and reinforces that Athena needs to have a plan. And she doesn't disagree. The camera opens on Prism, the bastion of attempted stability and safety for the Prisme Spectrum, or whatever moniker these in-between individuals determine is appropriate. We get a wide shot of the cavern as a whole, stone pillar perforated with small holes out of which is leaking the orange quarry residue. It's fluid, somewhere between liquid and gas, with these orange tendrils that stretch and reach, wobbling through the air, curling in intricate patterns, with seemingly no direction or intention. The indistinct mass of scrap metal ship still floats idly in the water at the base of the pillar, although a portion of it has now been stripped away for use and reappropriation. Only the mast! As the pillar in the center of the cavern climbs higher, we can see that there is a network of spindly stone bridges that wind and stretch and connect various outcroppings of the cavern with one another and back to the pillar itself, a mini network of travel and ease. We see bodies in motion, specks of multicolored light, the quarry crystals protruding from the exterior rim of the cavern, offering dim pockets of illumination. The chatter is more upbeat, livelier than we've seen in the past. And the camera shifts its focus upward, where there are several much more distinct orange dots near the ceiling of the cavern. As our view shifts upward and moves closer, we can see Athena idly kicking her legs, which are dangling over a lip of rock on a shelf perched high above in the center of the cavern. 
that overlooks everything below, with a number of indistinct moth clumps fluttering nearby, all of which glow with the same burning orange. So do you hear me through the moth ears, or is it like, do you have light ears? I am not well versed in the specific sciences that would require your answer. Suffice it to say, sound is a vibration that carries through the airwaves. But does it get caught in your moth fuzz, you know? Light is also a vibration. Hmm. I am able to interpret the vibrations, whether through the moth antenna or my own devices. I honestly do not know at this point, but I can interpret it. You know, maybe they relocated up here because there's a core event that's easier to get to. So is it all just sitting in it? recharging it's out of the way when she realized they were here she was just gonna lower him down into the big mist at the bottom of the pillar but that didn't feel very safe sure so this feels better we see zadal behind you sitting in the midst of this billowing orange energy looking somewhere between surly and at a loss i don't think he intrudes upon your conversation unless (laughs) he probably doesn't know anything about mods either I guarantee you he does not. So, Hollerishi, what, uh, what's your your feelings about, you know, everything right now? It is a very broad question. The answer can be broad. Concerned. Okay. This is not according to plan, but the plan was perhaps flawed. I don't know I Like any other being, I can only do my best. And you've you've definitely mentioned a plan before. You gotta be straight with me, man. Like, what? Who? Who asked you to do this? I know. I know you swore an oath. And oaths are great. I love oaths myself. Because I've sworn an oath to all these people down here. Make sure they don't beef it. Why does it matter to you? Truly. Because it could could give me perspective. It could, like, if I walk into a meeting with, say, a head of the city who told you to shut things down and they already know about it, then I'm going to look like a fucking idiot and my credibility will be out the window and I won't be able to help anybody at all. Was it Joel? <laughs> She dials in. Oh my god. (laughs) Your reasoning to him is it might give me perspective to not make a mistake, I guess. Yeah, because if you're a cautious fella, wouldn't it be good to like help other people be more cautious with the information they have if somebody already has cards in their hand that I would uh, know about? And... If I were to tell you this, and you do not like the answer? I'd probably have some more questions, but, you know, past is the past. And what now? What is your plan, since mine has been discarded? Well... If everything goes as you want it to, you will speak with this governing body to stop their persecution, their killings. What then? I've just been planning so much for worst case scenarios. I haven't even had a chance to think about the best case one. But I think that's just because I'm anxious by nature and a little bit of a pessimist some of the time. 
It is better to think of the worst case than the best case, so why don't you start there? Worst case, we're all exterminated, and all the spectrum that we've joined with poof into the ether. That doesn't sound like a good time for anybody. Oh. The problem's still not going to be addressed. Shadow Man's still going to be running rampant through the streets. Eventually, are they just going to kill everybody in the city? I doubt it, but topside, I, we ran into some of them topside, and they attacked us. They didn't even know who we were. They were just raiding. Well, I mean, they knew who I was after saw my face. It doesn't matter. And you feel that they are spreading topside? I mean, I only saw the group, but it would make sense. If Shadow Man spent so long up there before coming back here, what did he spend all his time doing? He definitely hit the Troyas. I doubt they were the only one. I don't know if he's with Alaricorp, though. I think they're just kind of leaving each other be because they got similar goals, but different end results, maybe. In my experience, he's far too concerned with himself. It could be a partnership of convenience, a means to an end, that much is true, but I have difficulty believing that they would willingly become subservient. Yeah. So, we have this city here, Caldonix. There is a surface, which I have little knowledge. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. And it's defrosting by the day. Make your persuasion roll at a minus two. That's so much better than it was last time. Minus six or minus four, maybe. I'm still at minus two wounds. Fuck. Ugh. Oh, no. I mean, is, is there somebody here who might have tried to do some healing? Do you healing? think somebody would have healed me a little bit? I, I don't know if anybody has a healing. Do you want to roll a die to see if somebody has a healing? Yeah. Power? Okay. Roll a d10, and if you get a 10, then somebody with the healing power is here. Okay. It's a three! Okay. So nobody has the healing power at the moment. I think it's reasonable to think that some people here would have the healing skill. Does the golden hour still count? Or does count, yeah. Um, it was so long ago. It was a while ago, so... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe you gotta wait for... That's okay. Somebody. Sorry. I will make that persuasion. D6. Do I have anything that would help me? Adventure card, maybe? <laughs> no, not that Trust one. <laughs> to kill. Could I cast empathy on it first? Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm. I will persuade. If you want to keep rolling empathy, I would let you. You're just going to be burning power points, and you might get fatigue if you crit fail. You know what? Fuck it. I'll roll one more. I'll roll one more. You guys are just, like, sitting here. You're just squinting at him as she's hard just, as you can. She's just trying to track where his actual eyes are right now. Sure. Just but he's got to roll his contested spirit. Uh, it's a seven either way, so that's five. I don't know that I've ever... Um, I, I certainly haven't statted out Halarishi. I kind of feel like he's got a low spirit. He's an anxious nerd. I th I'm going to give him a D4 spirit. Like, he's got kind yeah. of some presence, but, like, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of willpower and not, like, a physical form, so <laughs> well. whatever. <laughs> Blew up a six. Damn it! Into a two, eight. Shit! Sorry. <laughs> God damn you pile of moths. So no empathy. Uh, no empathy. That's fine. I'll just roll my persuasion. Um, so yeah, you uh, you peer at Halarishi. All you can get is this bubbling nimbus of orange light that 
grows and billows and swoops and wanes. It's just the same color he always is. Athena's just thinking to herself, God, I gotta get my eyes checked. Persuasion! I spend one Benny. Okay. I see A1. Yeah, it's a three. Maybe I'll roll this, this metal die. You bastards. I don't want to blow all my bennies on this, but I do want to know. You fuck it. Right. <laughs> what I will tell you is that, you know, every time you bring this up and it fails, I'm, I'm making it easier to I come know. up the next time because you're slowly wearing them down. I, I will refund you a Benny for making the hard choice and doing it now <laughs> and, and sticking to your guns and trying. A. And for constantly blurting out as a Joel. Because <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> funny. Just gets me. <laughs> there is a very long pause when you direct your final blurted statement to Holler Ishii. As many of the moths circle back together into one mass, the equivalent of a head that peers out and looks down among the moving forms. Maybe 10, 20, 30 seconds pass before they speak again. All I have left of my promise is my word that I would not speak of it. <sighs> Let me keep that for but a moment longer. Speak with your murderers. Find out where we all stand. And when you come back to us, if you come back, I will tell you. I give you my word on that. Well, I guess that's good enough for me to get out of there on skates, huh? I'm just so curious. Well, after you speak with them, the purpose of keeping our people separate, the worlds apart, was to prevent what appears to be happening now. So either it was all for naught, we still have a chance. I don't know anymore, but I don't, I don't know. I hope you succeed, and if, if I thought my answer would change the outcome, I would tell you, mm. but I do not think it will. You didn't know somebody named Akira, did you? I feel like I might have asked you before, but I can't remember. My head's just a jumble. The light that passes for Halarishi's eyes dims for a moment before blazing back. The name is uh, like a distant word. Familiar, but elusive. Yeah, a lot of that going around. What else can you tell me? Uh, she was an alloy member who might have gotten snatched by Alaricorp when the mine went off. Well, around the same time, I don't think she was at the mine. I'm not sure. Hmm. Where did it ha <laughs> You were doing stuff that night. Yes. Where was Silas when you rescued him? Was he in the incinerator room? He was escaping or leaving or... No, he was being escorted. By who? Ah... Uh... A cloaked figure, um, the details are in question. My memory around this point fades somewhat, but I remember a struggle. I remember Silas was being 
carried, dragged nearly in his condition, wounded though he was, and I stopped him from being removed from the city's limits. Topside or caverns? They were not seeking to go deeper into the mountain. Okay. They were trying to reach the train. Is there any purple? You remember any flashes? Halarishi's eyes wander again and then very suddenly turns back to you and says, Yes, purple, I do remember. Yes. Okay, purple. Dial in on that. Can you can you remember anything anything about like a face or or I could I could show you brain brain faces if that helps. Uh, the features are indistinct. Show me what you have to show me. She excitedly gestures for Zidal to come over. Zidal moves his way over, looks back at the orange mist, and he's like, I don't know if I like this stuff very much. Oh, is it not feel, feel good? I, it feels intrusive. Oh. I like it works, but I don't know. It's just not what I'm used to, I guess. We can get you topped off back home, but I figured, you know. All right, uh, so what are we doing? Trying to cross-verify with Halarishi some faces, maybe. Zidal will be able to connect you guys here. I rolled him. An 18 for his cast. Oh my god. So yeah, he places a hand on your shoulder and you feel the familiar weight against your circlet. Zidal turns to Halarishi and is like, uh, so do I, um... Does he finger gun? He just, just like point, put, puts a finger out and touches the edge of the moths and you can feel the, the connection spring to life. You've never been mentally linked to a spectrum before. Mm-mm. Except for the Cory thing that almost gooped her in the tunnels. True, yeah. It's not quite like that. I mean, when your consciousness touches Halarishi, it's familiar. I mean, it, it is a sentient consciousness, very much the same as everyone that you've ever been connected to. But there's also this nebulous shifting to it somewhere, like the surface level thoughts are primary, but there there's more to it than you are typically expecting. Huh. It's kind of like, almost like hearing phantom whispers in the back of your mind, like you can tell there's more, but it's not tangible. It's not mm. like of substance. So it feels just foreign enough to be strange. Maybe unsettling, but not necessarily. Just different. Okay. Uh, Athena lives in the weird now. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, what are you showing Halarishi? Well, she saw... Suzette's face. Okay. But then she realizes that Vi might just actually know what Dakira looks like. Because she's never asked Vi that before. That's true. Does Vi latch onto Athena's intuitions pretty well at this point? I think so. I think that's a fair statement. You show the image of Suzette and... I have seen this face before, but it is not the one you seek. She's purple, too. Watch out for her. I see. Yeah. I have seen her in the city in the past, although it has been some time. Yeah, she fucked off to the surface. I see. As far as I can tell, anyway. Athena wants to reach deep and ask Vi real quick. Do you have Takira's face? From a mirror? From from a reflection in a puddle? From anything? Because, like, Vi's been riding on the, the side for all of this. Also, how are you doing? You okay? (laughs) When you present the name Dakira, there's nothing really of substance to latch on to there. Vi doesn't give you any indication that 
that's familiar or something that Vi knows about. Mm. You get back a general sense of weariness, but sort of complacency to be not in a life-threatening situation. That's fair. That's where Athena's at. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hey, Halarishi, would, we, would you be okay with showing us your memories, you know, in a, a mental space? Is it also a psionic? We could just look at it instead of you having to recount it. It might be easier. I've never shared my perceptions in such a way. It's going to be weird, huh? Does it going to come out of a lot of eyes or just one eye? I don't know how you will perceive it. We'll figure it out. Halarishi turns and concentrates again, and this blank space that you all inhabit becomes dark, cavernously dark. Little by little, it's it's sort of like somebody is painting the scene in front of you, like water drips onto a page and then a paintbrush strikes it by and starts to form actual shapes as they solidify. Everything's just like a little bit looser. It, it's not the world as you see it. It's got softer edges, blurrier edges. Things are constantly a little in motion, like they're particles or atoms are vibrating back and forth and you can tangibly see it. Like looking at a drippy watercolor painting. Mm-hmm. And the edges are a little bit fuzzier in that way. It's like a, a fragmented mirror where there are maybe a dozen different perspectives of the same image, but from different angles, like you're viewing it through different cameras but they're also somehow still amalgamated to you in your consciousness, so you get a greater view than you normally would. And I think everything is a little bit sped up, so your consciousness as Halarishi is floating above the city, and there are some recognizable landmarks. You can see the spire in the distance. You appear to be on the edge of the city right now. You can see the west cave wall looming high with the industrial fans, which to you right now almost look cartoonishly simple, like they're just giant steel crosses that are spinning idly in the background without much attention given to them. Huh. You can see other shapes and forms moving around behind you as background static, but Halarishi is focused on one pair of individuals. Very clearly, two distinct forms, one of which is hauling the other. You can easily tell one is Silas dark hair, his fragile, somewhat limp form has one arm dangled over this other form's shoulder and is being walked hurriedly through the streets. Mm -hmm. There are people in motion all around going the opposite direction. So they're sort of moving against the tide, dip in and out of a couple of alleyways, and then they take a stairway up to the roof of one of the like one-story buildings, so just off street level. And you see the form stop there and pause, looking out towards the west. And the the not Silas figure is just wearing shrouded clothing. It's almost too indistinct. It's like it's a black blob where you would expect even a slightly more defined person to be. It's just like a black silhouette, like mm-hmm. somebody just scribbled over it in this memory. Athena's walking around the figures points the blob person and looks back to Zadal and says, this is fucked up, right? This isn't just my eyes being bad. This Is this tampered? He looks to Halarishi and kind of shrugs and Halarishi says, I, this is not exactly what I remember. I know that there should be more, but this is what I have. 
And Zadal says, Oh yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like a tampering. Uh, not, not to make light, sorry. This seems like a rush job to me. Like somebody was in a hurry. Do you think it was Silas? Or do you think it was whoever this is? Can you, can you clean this up? I can try, yeah. I mean, if it was a tampered with memory, I can see if there's anything left to unscrub it. If that's okay with you, Mr. Spooky Mothman, who I respect very much, highly, greatly, for, for letting me use your energy source. Is Hollerishi in here just big eyes? Like in the warehouse? I was thinking about that. Hollerishi's form in here is kind of a mirror of his one in the physical world where he takes on a humanoid sort of shape that is still just lumpy and indistinct, but torso, legs, arms, but then his head is still in the shape of like moth wings. That's cool. It's all orange light. His head eyes are brighter so that they're somewhat more distinct. Mm. Is such a thing possible? For psionics, what isn't possible? Sadal says, I, I mean, in theory, it's possible. There's no guarantees it'll work, but if you're willing to let me try, I can see if we can clean that up for you. Hollery, she says, I will permit this if you promise not to interfere with or tamper with any of my other memories or recollections, including the information that is being sought by your friend. Do you really have so little faith in me? Here's the thing. If you asked Zadal to do that, I would... She wouldn't do that, I would though. reward you for it. No. Um, I would give you the chance to do it covertly. She's been but building could... trust with Hollerishi for two seasons. That's... She's not going to nerf that into the ground. That's why I would reward you if you did that. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying you can. I'm just making sure you know that that is always yeah, an option. I'm not here to tell you not to do it that way. Like, she could be a bad, bad person right now and a huge hypocrite, but she's not gonna. She's only done that sometimes. Several times. <laughs> you gotta pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Then what we need to do here is I need to make a roll to establish the initial roll from way back when. Oh, shit. Right. Okay. So this is like, here, let me, let me pull up what we're dealing with here. It was Azalea all along. What a mess that would be. He was being hauled out by Benicia's twin sister, Zanisha, a la Spirited Away. <laughs> I'm treating this as mind wipe. Removes the target's memories. The power is opposed by a victim's smarts and requires a full minute of mental struggle. The victim must be conscious during this time, so if not restrained, they can simply move out of range. If successful, the victim forgets a single event up to 30 minutes of time. A raise removes a complex memory of several hours. And if the defender wins, the caster can't affect them with memory wipe for 24 hours. The memory remains missing, but strong evidence that challenges its logic allows a smarts roll at minus two to remember fragments determined by the GM or edit. Instead of wiping the memory, the caster edits it as they see fit. Mm. And a fast cast makes it an action, which would be this is like an on the fly thing. Was it a fast cast? Yeah, probably. Mm. Almost assuredly. Okay, so I need to make a roll here. Okay, so this is going to be against Tolerishi. That's pretty good. Okay. Well, I rolled a 10 for the caster and I rolled a 2 for Tolerishi, so that tracks. Okay. He does get to roll for each moth that was involved. So, right, so the contested roll here is going to be a 10 to okay. see if Zadal can counteract. That's the way I'm choosing to rule this, even though there aren't really... Can she support Zadal? How are you doing that? Athena's just standing beside Zadal. And muttering mostly to herself, just please, 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 please let this work. 
So I think the desperation in her own being might be like, all right, I'm going to do good for my girlfriend who I love. Okay, so roll your persuasion. I'll, uh, I will wave the, the wound penalty here because maybe it makes you seem even more sad and pathetic to oh, him. that's fair. Cool. Still failed it. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Do you want to roll a support for Halarishi? Yeah. What's, what's Halarishi's support? How's he doing it? He's trying to remember, so... Smarts? It's usually supposed to be a skill. I'll let him roll smarts. What's um, a smart? Uh, D6. These mods are exactly as smart as Athena. It's a crit fail! Fuck. Uh, all right. Um. All right. Can I bet Athena support? Sure. <laughs> uh. Okay. She got a four. After her. So. Oh, not including right. Okay. Yeah. So that'll counteract it. Okay. So it's at a minus one from this. Yeah. Unfortunately. Thanks, Rishi. God. I'm trying to be helpful. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't have control over my brain. Uh, beta bing beta boom. Would you like to roll Zadal's D10 and wild die psionics? He's your yeah. buddy, so he will have two bennies. Okay. For your buddies. I'll roll this one because I haven't rolled it yet, but all the other ones have fucked me pretty bad so there, far. There might be other things you want to use your buddy bennies for later on. Just throwing that out there. Okay. <laughs> oh! He blew up! He blew he up? He blew up his 10! Okay, keep going. That's a 17! Okay, a 17. Well, that's a success with a raise, so I think that fully removes this. Athena, you watch in this memory dreamscape as Zadal walks around the still frame of these two figures on the rooftop. He beckons Halarishi closer, and Rishi floats over, and Zadal spends moments in silent concentration, and then he starts moving his hand over the blackness. Sometimes it's kind of wiping it away, sometimes it's almost like he's chipping it away or etching it down to define the figure more. And this goes on for a minute or two. You watch Halarishi's coloration dim, brighten. At one point, he lets out a cry of pain or discontent, and his eyes glow angrily bright at Zadal, who holds up a hand to forestall it before continuing. And this goes on for some time, until the figure in front of you is still this black silhouette, but it's certainly more defined. There's a billowing cloak to it, but the scene itself has shifted a little bit. Everything remains about the same, but you can now see that Silas has his arms up in a T-pose, both arms out, and only one of the arms is being supported in this. Zadal pauses and steps back and nudges you and upends his chin at this and says, <sighs> Something about this still don't feel right. Because there's somebody else there. Yeah. He goes over. I got an idea. Zadal walks around the figures again until he ends up next to Rishi, and then with a somewhat flourishing movement, swipes his hand through the energy that is Rishi and over the two forms, like he's pulling off a curtain, just rips part of the scene away. And we see that now there are indeed three figures there. Silas bleeding and supported between the two. As this happened, the point of view of past Halarishi shifts as the cloud of moths begins to descend on the group of three. 
The figures turn around to confront him. The two other figures drop Silas to the ground, where he collapses, barely conscious, and rolls over onto his back, and the other two stand facing the oncoming cloud. The right figure, shrouded in black, has a hood pulled low, but even from beneath it you can see the deep burning purple of a very familiar energy signature. The cloak the figure wears flutters in the breeze from the great industrial fans, and they stand with an imperious stance, awaiting Halarishi. Does their hood get knocked back because of the mouths and the fans? <laughs> Perhaps, detecting oncoming confrontation, the figure pulls the hood back as well, and we see that it is an arrow, tall and willowy, much like Rebexi, with hair tendrils bound into a braid that disappear into the depths of the robe. The mouth is a narrow slit, one set of glowing purple eyes, a slim metallic neck, a metal or polymer crown stretches their brow ridge with a gap in the very center of their head. Two triangular spikes, one on the left, one on the right, that are jutting upward, giving the appearance of a Valkyrie. The face is impassive, with little in terms of general expression in this moment. Their slender form stands at attention and waits. The figure standing opposite is dressed in equally innocuous robes, but takes several steps forward. Their figure is smaller, but when they throw their hood back, it's with far more pageantry and a wide smile. Before your eyes can make out any distinct features, you recognize an equally familiar burning red. But then as the image swims into focus, you recognize the glasses on the face that is staring back at you. Holds its arms out at attention, and in the memory, the voice calls out, Didn't think you'd catch up to us, Rishi. Welcome. But the body speaking with the voice is none other than Jack Stabbeth. Motherfucker! He got him? Ah! <laughs> okay, but she's heard Jack's talk before. Mm -hmm. He probably didn't sound like that. No, this is not. We're coming to a question of like voice from what? Like, is it is it a body voice? Is it an energy voice type of thing? This one, the cadence, if nothing else, sounds very familiar to you. Athena shouts motherfucker into the ether and gets right up in his stupid little Jack Stavith face. When you shout, the image sort of wobbles tentatively for a moment, like all the pieces shake apart and then get pulled back together as Zidal sort of rounds behind you in surprise and has an equally astonished expression. What the hell does this mean? I mean, Jex, Jex died. Jex died, so does that mean Silas... Did, did Shadow Man just jump into him? Just jump in his corpse? I mean, it could be a possibility. Does he still have Jack Stavith on hold? Just his, his, his body just somewhere if he needs a big beefy psionic? I don't know. Is that how it works? I don't know. I think uh, Zadol uh, comes over and, you know, places a hand on your shoulder and he, he, he is doing his best to soothe you, but mm -hmm. it's in sort of a distracted way as well. No, that's okay. He's he's doing work. He's yeah. doing and work. His, he is also fixated on this red-eyed Jack Stavith. <sighs> I think... 
I think Athena twigs to him spending some extra time looking at Jax because the first time he was in her memories looking at, you know, her seven year absence, he really dialed in on Jax. Can, can she look at him and just see if she could read anything from his expression or his posture or just like, you know what I mean? Of the two people in the scene, Athena would have assumed he would be looking more at Dakira. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think that's just going to be a notice. Flat notice. Flat notice. No, but it wasn't a crit fail. Well, that's good. You can certainly tell that he is giving Jex a long, hard look, but any extra details about what the look might mean or intention or anything like that, I think, is probably lost to you in this moment. I woke up from nightmares with this guy's face in him almost every night for about seven years. And I thought I was just finally getting over that. I thought I was getting over it. Would you like to roll on the fear table? Yeah. Or like to make a spirit roll? Fuck yeah. For fear? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a fail okay. is what that is. This is. mostly for fun. Yeah. But I will, uh, do you want to roll a d20 plus two? Yeah. I guess it, actually it's just a d20 not plus two. That's a six. It's distracted, so it's fine. Mostly it's just to see if you get, you know, a visible mark of fear or, you know, phobia or some shit like that. But you're already being distracted anyway, so that's all good. Athena's just continuing her shark-like circles around this group of people. So, so, did Shadow Man orchestrate a murder so he could hop into a new body? Because obviously Jex just wasn't doing a bad thing. He was just an end, a means to an end because Joel was trying to, you know, save the world because he's a hero. Hollerishi's floating silently nearby watching all of this. Athena just keeps keeps walking, keeps yelling. It's her best way to think. As you're walking around, can you make me a notice? Yeah. Just a notice. D8 notice. Mm, wow. That is an 18. So just from the scene that you're walking around right now, a, a couple of details I'll give you. Silas is barely conscious, but he does have the gray streak in his hair, as well as the gray eye. Jex is fucked up. Oh. Like, Jex has clear damage to the right side of his face near the eyebrow. Maybe it's fractured, but there is blood there. Maybe it's been wiped away, but clear signs of damage. One of his glasses lenses is cracked. As the scene plays around, Silas seems pretty out of it. Mm-hmm. He checks out. It reminds you a lot of when he was in the tunnels, except he's not nearly as emaciated, but he, he also looks a little fucked up. Probably has a concussion. Maybe. A psychic concussion. Mm. So the side of Jex's face is fucked up. Is it like a gunshot? Is it blunt? Could she use her regulator training to assess in a crime scene fashion? What skill are you wanting to use for this? I would think healing would be appropriate. Maybe science notice, maybe at a slight penalty. Well, uh, you know, I have a D4 healing, but with my negative two currently, I don't oh, feel very confident in that. So maybe I roll my notice, huh? What penalty on the notice, you think? Uh, I'll just make it an additional minus one. Minus one, so minus three total. I guess so. Okay. Oh, I thought a six. That's a five. A five, a success. So you're trying to determine 
what kind of injury it is. Yeah, like, is does it look like somebody walked up behind this guy and, like, just popped him? Did he have his face smashed into the ground? Is there, like, gravel? With a base success, you can tell that more than likely it's blunt force trauma. I think you would need a raise to get some sort of additional granular detail, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a fun joke because you mentioned gravel. <laughs> <laughs> Grainy in the brainy. But yeah, it, it certainly looks more like blunt force trauma. Hmm. Nicotine is just pacing in circles trying to get the 360 of the scene in her brain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she does lean into the blood and wounds. <sighs> Puts her hands on her hips, shakes her head a little and she says, What happened to him? Look at this. This is... My thoughts are somewhat scattered. Do you know if Silas had the streaks in the eye fucked up before this night? Were you watching him? There's a pause as Hollerishi floats in silence. I was watching all of them in different ways. Make a roll for Hollerishi. Pull up a six into a six into a one. That moth pile smart today. Uh, no, this was the first time I saw him appearing in this fashion. I am sure of it. Okay, Athena has enough info. She's clocking some shit. Athena touches her head where Jex is hurt. And her perceptions, her senses travel back to the night she came back from the surface dropping off her parents and going to Zadal's place. And he showed her those dreams. And one of them was a man getting his head violently bashed into a fish tank over and over again until he bled out on the floor. They were murdered by somebody that was familiar to them with red eyes. And she looks at Jax's wounds and she can still feel the death blows from the psionic resonance of what Zadal showed her that night. And it's, it's too similar. And, and she's, she's a little scared. She's about to ruin everything. But if Zadal hasn't made this connection yet, She can't withhold what she thinks might be a revelation. And she turns around with worried, worried, worried eyes. And hovers a hand over Jex's wounds and looks at Sadal and says, Hey, um, I don't mean to be blunt, but that's familiar, right? It's not not just me. Zadal doesn't look at Athena at first, instead continuing to focus on the pair, but then he does shift and look at you, and he says, What do you mean? Well, the wound patterns suggest blunt force trauma, and maybe a week ago, you showed me one of the dreams that you have to deal with every night, and... I know I didn't feel it physically and probably don't feel it as strongly as you do in your dreams. But (laughs) this makes too much sense. And, And you focus on Jex when he crops up in my memories and there's just... So no, there's too much that adds up. That's a four. 
Zidal continues to stare at Athena as her words punctuate the situation and his gaze drifts back to Jex Davith. He starts to shake his head, looking down, and then more suddenly slaps a hand to his temple and collapses to one knee, his other hand planted on the ground in front of him, even though you're all in this mental scape. Let's out a soft cry. <clears throat> oh no. It's all so much. She's there beside him and she gets on her knees and she she uh, hovers her hands over him, but she doesn't touch him. Sidol, hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The scene around okay. you starts to vibrate and things just start going askew. The hazy watercolor nature of this scene starts to fade even more, blending together in these geometric designs of colors and patterns that swirl in a nebulous nothingness. You can hear more muffled sounds and voices from far away that are indistinct, and then everything vibrates again, snaps back together, crystallizing into a semblance of the scene that you saw however long ago that you were just describing. The audio is still missing or indistinct, but this time the visual aspect is much clearer. The fuzzy watercolor nature is now gone, replaced with bright, clear, jagged edges around every individual, every line, etching the scene into a collective view for the three of you. And you see Jack Stavith sitting at his desk, the Oculus's office, legs up, reading a file. And from his perspective, we see the two double doors open and Silas walks in, the glowing orange pillar between them, humming with the soft energy and light, casting a sinister glow on the scene as he walks in and his mouth moves and his posture is swaggering, distinct, and it becomes quickly apparent that his eyes are not his own. And as he approaches the desk, Jex pushes himself back into his feet. The image snaps and blurs once again as Silas runs forward. They begin to scuffle. Every motion, the picture becomes indistinct until you see Jex Davith's head being smashed against the orange pillar in the center of the office. The glass beginning to crack, light tricklings of the orange liquid beginning to spill out onto the office floor. As Jex's body starts to slide down the glass tube and collapse to the floor. The entire scene shifts to a first-person perspective, and you all look up at the trickling orange Cory residue coming out of the broken glass and see the dark form of Silas standing above. As he starts to lean down, we see Silas's red eyes this time are more akin to the red and black flickering shadows of Harlan Troya and yourself. And as Silas begins to lean down, the red begins to fade and the glint on his glasses flashes to reflect the brilliant orange glow of the quarry beyond the glass. And that is the still frame that remains a disjointed sense of dissociation as things just dissipate and the scene fades and all the while Zadal makes 
noises ranging from pain to whimpering, and finally a gasp of exhaustion as he falls down to both hands. I don't think she did touch him during that, actually. Um, definitely selfishly, because, you know, she was half afraid that if she touched him, the scene would stop, and they both needed to see, and she needed to see, and she slowly and hesitantly puts a hand on the small of his back as he's hunched over and one on a shoulder. She looks at Halorishi with unmasked concern and uh, trepidation and, wow, Athena Sedaris, world's worst girlfriend. She waits first at all to talk first. She doesn't want her big stupid mouth to get in the way of anything he's trying to think about or reconcile. He deserves that time. I think uh, Athena feels concerned. Conflicted and uh, a little weird. Zidal is trembling when you place a hand on him. He only briefly shudders and has an automatic reflex to pull away, but stops. But with your presence, it fades, and he leans back, still on his knees, but now in an upright posture, hands in his lap as he looks around these swirling colors of disjointed, fragmented memory. I... I don't know what to do. What does this mean? Like, I know what it might mean, but what does it say about me? What is it... He looks up at you now for the first time in a while, and even here in this dreamscape, the mists of his eyes are swirling quickly. And he just looks up at you. I think it means... I think it means that you're made up of some very strong people as your building blocks. And you know, I... I was pretty terrified of this man for a very long time. But... It's just because I didn't have the puzzle pieces. Jax didn't kill Joel. Jax was doing his job, trying to protect people, protect the city, taking heaps of responsibility on his shoulders, it would seem. <laughs> Roth said he's a bit of a dick, but, you know. I'm sure he said as much about me. Not to my face, though. If Roth really didn't like you, he would tell you to your face. <laughs> I guess there's some consolation in that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I just, I push and I push and I don't stop pushing. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Who would ask? Who would ask somebody to relive this? She, she looks unsure about, you know, her intentions for maybe the first time in the relationship. He looks down in a way this time and pats the hand on his shoulder. Well, you, uh, you're not trying to hurt people, you, you're just trying to do your job, get to the, to the truth, to keep people safe, and sometimes there's gonna be collateral damage. I, I can't really pretend this doesn't mean anything to me, 
I, uh, I've been really confused and turned around for, I don't know, my whole life, but I think I need some answers. I think there's only one place I might find some. I mean, a lot if you came with me. Of course. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you are good and well taken care of. Because you deserve that. I don't know what I deserve. I think that's an unanswered question. I think I deserve the truth. And uh, that's why I'll be happy to have you with me. Because I'm sure that if you're wrong, something's going to happen. <laughs> and if something bad happens, then uh, I'm sure somebody will answer for it. No one's going to lay a hand on you. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, Athena feels so bad. Hey, uh, I think I just need to decompress a little bit. Yeah. A bit of time, maybe. Hang tight. Mm-hmm. Athena stays as long as she thinks he wants her to, or if he, it would be more beneficial if she got up and got back to work, because that's, you know, a sense of normalcy, maybe. And she's standing a little closer to Hollerishi now, looking between Silas and Shadow Man Jex. Just throws up her hands. Well, why the fuck? Were they working together, or did he just hop into Silas's body? Probably murdered Jex because, you know, he helped orchestrate the, you know, Lyresha bomb that was Joel. I do not know what their motivations are. That is possible, of course. But then why is Takira here? Why would they all be working together? Is it just... I don't know. Like, I fully assumed that Dakira was kidnapped during the mine collapse. Here, she is walking around of her own volition, stealing a whole man. Was Silas, was he, was he a part of it? Was, was it agreed upon? Was it an attempted kidnapping? Was, why hop into Jex? I do not know. I can tell you, as a collective, we knew who the main players were. We knew generally what they were doing, that they were responsible, so maybe it is a personal grudge. Perhaps there was an ulterior motive. I I do not know. I mean, Red just does what he wants, right? Is he much of a planner? He can be. His purpose was, uh, he was a herald, a far-reaching envoy, expand the reach. Within the city, topside, just is he just hopping into people willy-nilly, looking around? Joel Shin's purpose was to look here, this city, but there are other places. It was long suspected that the one you call Shadowman was gaining a modicum of independence before all of this happened. Hmm. In some ways, you might say that he and Joel were brothers in craft, in purpose. Mm. Joel came here. Shadow Man was sent topside. This was, as we are all still, part of the collective, of course. If you remember my previous analogy about parts of the body, mm-hmm. I would say they were the farthest fingertips, stretching and reaching far away, distant, but still connected, still part of the whole. 
some of the first to be removed when catastrophic damage is sustained. What was your job? Obviously, you like watching, but maybe that's a hobby. I was a gatekeeper. I existed between the channel beneath your spire, where the collective resided. There is always a, an edge. Something in something else begins, but it is often a, a spectrum. Her eyes crinkle a little bit, but not necessarily humored right now. I am still getting the hang of this. No, it's a good attempt. Sorry we dumped so much garbage down you. Well, someone has to filter through it. Most of what you dropped was physical matter. Easily burned away. Incinerated, as intended. Are there more... Do you you know if there's anybody left that got split off from... Many, I imagine. But nobody that you've run into. Fear is an emotion that resonates with my people as well as yours. When when the split occurred, there was confusion and pain. Fear for all of us, this truly was the first time we were separate. As I mentioned, losing hands, eyes, being alone, this is this is a a large change to one's worldview. Being alone is not easy. So I think that many returned to our roots, tried to rebuild, to start over, or to continue on. Some pieces gone forever, burned, destroyed, scattered, some split, went off on their own. I think those of us that did had a new purpose. I chose to leave because of Jul Shin. The Shadow Man chose to leave for different reasons, likely of an independent nature. Probably a tad more self-indulgent, knowing the guy. Possibly. There have been the occasional individuals spotted at a distance, but I am somewhat of a pariah. Because of your chosen purpose. You could say that. So my main question now is what possibly Dakira question mark is doing hanging around with good old Red here and escorting a half-murdered Oculus out of the city. Well, you know what? Would he have already had that job if Jex is still here? I don't know. Why were they trying to get him out? I don't know. But it was happening during the confusion after the mine collapse. (sighs) Have any details flooded back in for you anything might have been tougher to recall earlier the memory starts to play again as Hollerishi flies down and the scope begins to narrow and we just see red jacks walking around with arms outstretched waiting for Hollerishi to float closer what are you gonna do rishi you think you're gonna stop us on our way out you got no better than that all the promises in the world can't stop progress can't stop the future from coming. You can try and try, but it'll always come roaring back. What we see is just Hollerishi's swarm flies down and mobs Jex specifically. 
the perspective shifts again to be like super close up. So from all these different moth perspectives, you see them jamming their proboscis into the flesh and then it goes rigid and collapses to the roof with some crazy laughing. Ugh. While another part of the cloud flies towards Silas's form, tries to pick him up and float him away. The purple arrow takes steps towards the cloud that is on Red Jex, holds a hand out, and then there's this indistinct vibrating of the scene, and those phantasmal whispers get louder. You see a superimposition of the scene start to scribble its way back to the way it was initially. So you can tell that's when... Mm, it took... So the, mm, that's when things over. Happen, yeah. So you can see that that sort of exists, but then we see the cloud that is flying Silas away starts to plummet, drop him out of view, and then the rest of the cloud that is still on the rooftop falls off of Red Jex. And then from a worm's eye view on the rooftop, we see Red Jex get up, looks over the edge to see if he can find Silas, but then they just turn and book it. You can hear people yelling from the streets below. Oh my god, there's somebody over there who needs help! We get a close-up of Red Jex just baring his teeth and turning back towards the arrow. Cuts a hand through the air. For good measure, Red Jex walks over and says, Well, I guess I'll see you around, Rishi. Steps on a moth for good measure on the way past. And then they both jump off the rooftop. Athena watches him go. Looks at the Rishi stain on the roof. And I think she looks like she's trying to form a sentence for longer than usual. I am going to scatter this man's atoms to the fucking wind. How do I do that? How? If he can just jump into bodies and be a million places at once, how do we fix that? I... Why don't you make me a persuade? No, that's a three. I do not know for certain. Every time you destroy something, I believe a piece of it goes missing. So, while they may jump from body to body, it is my belief that it is not exactly the same being that survives on. What does that mean? Like... It is conjecture, but I don't think such trauma could be endured in the long term. Yeah, you'd probably have a hard time reconciling with that, huh? There must be a source. There is always some sort of... He just trails off. I mean, do you think... He wouldn't be drawing from where Lyresha was, right? If that is where he is still located, it is possible, but I do not find that to be likely. Because I believe Lyresha is doing that. Ugh... <sighs> Guess I'll just have to go blow up another crystal sometime. That could be a solution. If it doesn't down half the cavern, if it even is in a cavern, maybe it's just in a mountain somewhere. If he's up top, he's been up top for years. He's could have a bunch of different ones, she says, shaking her head, thinking about scouring the mountain range and what a fucking task that would be. Goddamn pain in the ass is what that would be. You have a great deal of determination and resilience. If anyone can, I believe it could be you. Oh, thanks. And I will help you as I can. But you're not going to tell me? She says with a little smile. Rishi, it's fine. I'll come back later. I did not remember this. Not as it is. 
Perhaps this does make context more important. Athena's eyes light up like a kid whose grandparent just told them that they're going to the candy store. It was decided that the worlds would remain separate. When, when your people reached the conclusion they did. So everything they did, all of their efforts, were to ensure that were the case. I was at one time on the opposite side of that debate, as I believe you know. Yeah. But when I saw the determination of those involved to make that choice to go to the lengths they did, I could not ignore it. <sighs> to respect that decision, I abided it, but the situation has changed. I made the promise to Joshin. I do it. Moments before I killed him. You want to elaborate on that real quick? She leans forward and starts massaging her forehead. You have helped me uncover buried truths. This is the final secret that I can impart and one of great personal pain and shame that I carry with me. It was what he wanted, although I don't know that it was. <sighs> Zhao Xin was an envoy from us to your world. It was his task to survey, integrate, gather information to come back to tell, and I cannot speak for his experiences or what truly occurred during those times, but I can tell you when they sent Zhou Xin back to us through the energy beneath your city, I was his escort. It was my responsibility to bring him back, and so I did. After the exchange, after he told us that it could not be and that he did not believe in the cause, there was only one choice for the collective. But it, it caused division. The way he spoke, the way he showed us memories that I cannot recall because I have lost pieces of myself. He was a traitor, and I was told to kill him, and so I did, and in doing so, he freed me. He helped me understand what it means to choose, to think for yourself as an individual, to regret, but it was your people's choice at the time to keep the worlds separate. So I swore to him that I would try. Jolshin, as you know him, does not exist any longer. When he died, he was back with us, the collective. And so his essence, if that is what you want to call it, was scattered between 
I cannot say. But I kept part of him with me. That has made me who I am in many ways. I think we share that in common. To some respects. The key that you must understand is that I made a choice. Joel Shin made a choice by coming back to us in the way that he did, containing the psionic energy of all his compatriots the way he did. And I heard his message. He heard what he was telling us. Most of the collective did not care. They saw only division, expanding in growth and integration. But I saw what Joshin saw. He understood, perhaps for the first time, that we did not all have to think the same way. And I was in awe of his message. And I wanted to help him. And so I gave him what he wanted. I killed him. And the chain reaction of released energy is what caused this split. And so I am the one who chose for us all. And that choice was for the worlds to remain separate. And now here we are, talking again about integration. And so I must wonder if the choice even mattered. If all of that was for nothing. If all the pain and the years of isolation amount to anything. Is this what this is like for you? For any of you? Yes. There is a terrible beauty in that choice, in knowing that it is yours. Athena is surprised to hear a pitter-patter on the ground until she realizes she's been crying. We see Hollerish's form look down in silence and solemnity. Zidal stands with you, silent, but his presence, a firm squeeze. Athena staggers away from any kind of physical contact, and she is still standing in the spotlight area of the scene painted around her, and she walks into the black around it, out into the unrendered brainscape. It feels like a soft velvet curtain dampening sound around her. Maybe her footsteps only made sounds in the spotlight because she thought they should. But she, she walks and her tears continue to fall and sparkling behind her like a trail of gems. And she has never allowed herself to actually grieve for Joel because a part of her in the past that she was so confused when she ran away and so worried and she, she was so sure he was dead for so long, but she didn't allow herself the time to process it. And then she came back to the city and she was remembered by those eyes, the green eyes in the bubble. And she had a flicker of hope for the first time in years that maybe some part of him is still out there and still looking for her and trying to talk to her. And, and now he's just gone. And now she knows that he is incontrovertibly gone. 
It's just like a void opens up in her chest and she falls to her knees and she just lets out an animal wail of pain and heartbreak and grief and frustration still because maybe if he had told her what was happening, she could have helped. Even if she knows now, it may not have mattered anyway. And she just, she just sobs alone. As alone as she felt at first sight, she ran away. And those seven years of quietly repressed and refocused agony just in this space made of the fabric of thought and feeling surrounds her, making her unable to move, unable to feel anything, but everything she's been trying to avoid since she saw Jill drop, like a, a soaking blanket weighing her down, pressing her into the ground as she's doubled over. The sounds of her racked sobs, none after the first one reached back to the illuminated area auditorily, but each sob is a small tremor in the ground, even if the ground doesn't really exist. And she tries to, to get more air in her lungs, but her quieted sobs, the sounds eaten away and lessened by the velvet cloak of the black void around her. Just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're not real. As Athena's cries blast through this void space like a shockwave of agony, we see a shimmer in the air beside her, and a nebulous form of purple energy solidifies into a humanoid shape, and the form bends down and places a hand on Athena's shoulder, but then drops to two knees and puts both arms around her and pulls her in to lay the purple head against hers in solidarity. Bethia looks up and her face stained as she looks up at Vi and she lunges forward shakily and digs her fingers into Vi's back and, and allows herself moments of being consoled with her friend. Hello, my darling. Hello, my darling. It's been a while. It has been quite some time. Busy couple of months for us here at the podcast. I really appreciate y'all being very patient. We had a couple of deaths in the family and circle of friends, and we just kind of needed some time to grieve and cope and start moving back on. But we're really excited to get back to the show, even though the finale is in like three episodes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for, for being patient, for being here with us. It's been a hard time, but... Thank you to all of our friends on the server, everybody on the Patreon. 
it's been just great hanging out with you guys and having you there to just talk with, hang out. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Um, so thank you to everyone. Thank you to our friends. To our friends, yes. <laughs> Who are our family, you know? Yeah. Because what, what is Neon Heat about if not a show about found family? Something that has resonated with me for my entire life because, you know, I never really felt like I fit in and that, you know, everything was accepted and that I was valid. And that's something that I'm still coming to terms with as an adult. So I'm making a lot of strides and you guys out there listening and letting us know that you like what we're doing. That helps because it really does. I hope that, you know, we're, we're making this not just for us, but for everybody like us who finds value in storytelling and exploring characters. And that's very personal to me. And Lord knows there have been times in my life where I've had what doctors would call the depression. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I remember during a time in my life when all I did was play Animal Crossing and listen to podcasts all day to try and just get by. And if we can do that for somebody else, that means the world to me. Yeah. I just want to be there for folks, even if we don't know them necessarily, just helping helping y'all get through the day. I had a very long period of my life. I spent a lot of time just driving. I, my car was basically my home, and I would be in my car and I would drive around with no specific destination because it was just the only place that I could be by myself, not harassed, and felt like I had the safety to do something. So what I did is listen to podcasts and other stories, and that's how I got into actual plays. You know, it's the first time I listened to anything like that. So that's really special to me. I hope you guys out there enjoy this. If you like it, let us know. And if not, that's okay, too. I I believe that you're out there. (laughs) If you don't like our show, I don't know why you're on season three, episode 30. (laughs) Unless you're hate listening in that case. I'm glad you're here anyway. I admire your tenacity to to come this far, to be honest. So thank you guys out there for listening. And we have other outro stuff to do now, I guess. We do. Oh, Pickle, did you hear that? Oh, my. What was that? Oh, that means we've entered the Ad Zone. Ad Zone. Ad Zone. This week, the Ad Zone brings to you Droughtland. Droughtland is a dieselpunk western-inspired sci-fi actual play set in a sprawling wasteland filled with dinosaurs, cultists, voodoo, and murder. Professionally produced with audio drama level environmental sound design and cinematic music composition. Droughtland features a full revolving cast of talented voice actors and colorful characters. Presented as a series of individual books for easy listening, each following a unique group and seemingly disconnected stories set across the vast desert world. Available on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, Droughtland is a must-hear for all fans of swashbuckling, character-driven comedic action adventure. Did you know that our music this week is almost assuredly by Crockett and Wave Shaper? And maybe me. Allie has some great stuff. She's been making music for a while now, but a lot of it is for Silica Valley, Mm -hmm. uh, which we've been releasing on the main feed uh, in bursts. A lot more on the private feed for Patreon. But Allie also just released an EP. That's true. I did release an EP. Of like all the music that she's made. Well, not all of it, but most of the music she's made uh, for Silica Valley. Mm -hmm. You can find Allie on Bandcamp at youseethehat.bandcamp.com. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty cool. There's some good stuff. So my favorite tracks on there are Shez (laughs) and also uh, Dune Runner. Like those, they're all good, but those are my two favorites. Shez is just like the... The best one for me because it encapsulates his character so well. <laughs> yeah, she's came out pretty good. 
He's such a rat bastard. <laughs> no. Honestly, I don't really know like what gives you the right to talk about me that way, but it's fine. Just in character reasons, mostly. <laughs> so you can find Allie? You see the hat.bandcamp.com. And you can find Crockett at Crockett80s on Twitter and at Crockett.bandcamp.com. And Waveshaper, you can find at Waveshaper underscore SWE on Twitter and Waveshaper1.bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our patrons, but three patrons in particular. Four patrons! Four, four patrons! Four patrons in particular. Yeah. Thank you to Michael, Chase, Valentine, and Ezra. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all, for being here. Thanks for joining up, joining the pickle jar. <laughs> that pickle is our squad. Discord. That's a, that <laughs> our Discord. Discord server. Discord is the pickle jar. We're all pickles in the jar. We are, and you can you can pickle it up, too. No bread and butter, I draw the line. <laughs> Moving on, other patrons to thank. Caleb Sunstead, Jackie, Davriel, Zach, Ben Hatton, and Paxton. Thank you so much for being here, for continuing to support us, for believing in the story and the setting and, and all that good stuff. I really appreciate the engagement from people uh, giving us good questions about the setting, good yeah. feedback on that stuff, some of which gets implemented and some of it just gives me stuff to think about and, and fine tunes. That's that's all great. It's all really valuable. I will say, new addition Paxton to the thank yous. Paxton is a quick draw with memes <laughs> <laughs> and they delight every time. Bam. How did you Photoshop that so quick? <laughs> Savage Worlds was created by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group. You can find them online at peginc.com, as well as all of their products. All bets are on. To say thank you to our <laughs> social manager, Jackie Betts. Thanks, Jackie. You could find Jackie at Good Ship Sarcasm on Twitter and our show Twitter at RPG for You and Me. All right. Well, that is it. We're well on track to the finale. Stick with us a couple more weeks. Maybe mop up some of Athena's tears because Lord knows she's not doing it herself. <laughs> Bye. Bye.